Hey everybody, this is David, aka Macintosh, and before we get started today, I just wanted to give a quick content warning. Uh, right around the 16 minute and 40 second mark, we discussed the uh, the death of one of the actors, which involves suicide. So, if you just skip past about a minute or so, you'll get right past it, and we'll get right back into the content, in case you don't want to hear about that. Otherwise, enjoy the show! <laughs> And welcome again to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? This week, we're much more excited for Bond as he travels through Turkey and the heart of the Soviet Empire. He's more confident, smoother with the ladies, and has that fantastic Scottish brogue. Throw in some tough villains and an actual gadget, and we're all in. Enjoy our review of Bond's 1963 adventure, From Russia With Love. everybody, this is David, a.k.a. Macintosh. And I'm Diana, a.k.a. Mod. And this week, we're on to the second Sean Connery James Bond film, From Russia with Love, from 1963. James Bond willingly falls into an assassination ploy involving a naive Russian beauty in order to retrieve a Soviet encryption device that was stolen by Spectre. This had a $2 million budget, Ooh, twice the last one. And it made $79 million. Holy fuckballs! I know! <laughs> Damn. Talk about a profitable franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is Wikipedia figures, so I have to assume that that's not the total box office and home box office, because Lord knows that this this movie's yeah. been shown how countless times on some mm. sort of cable television, but... I mean, even if it made $4 million, that's still huge. But it made nearly 80. Yeah. So, studio immediately backed a sequel after the huge runaway success of Dr. No. Mm-hmm. Gave him double the money this time. Good on them. <laughs> Let's get your thoughts initially on the movie. This one is significantly better. Right. I totally forgot who Robert Shaw was, and that, that was him because he's super blonde in this movie. And super young. Uh, he is the villain in The Sting. Yes. And we covered that uh, early in the... Was it in the fall? No, we covered that during the Oscar season. But also, I mean, he's Captain Quentin Jaws. Oh, God. It only comes back to Jaws. He only gives the most famous speech in the entire film. So, you know. Whatever. But I... Yeah, I like this one a lot. We, we get, you know... And we get the gadget and we get the bond girl and it's just a little more fun yeah it's not it's not full-on recognizable bond but mm-hmm. this feels like what the first movie should have been agreed we finally get the setup of the things that we're we're gonna see throughout the rest of the franchise so we'll get into the writers okay this takes two writers from Dr. No. Mm-hmm. Richard Maybaum, who wound up being the main screenwriter on Dr. No. Boo. And then Joanna Harwood, who came in as a ghostwriter on Dr. No. Mm-hmm. Harwood really gets an, a story credit for this movie. She was there mostly to try to keep the script close to the, the novel. Okay. So she was... It's it's weird and it's hard to tell based on who says what. Mm-hmm. She says she left the movie... After a while, because they kept making rewrites that were more and more different from Ian Fleming's novel. And she was like, that's what I'm here to do. So Mm -hmm. stop it. I get that. Maybaum instead just kept plodding along and making the changes that needed to be made. 
to be fair, that's a really hard position to be in. Because on the one hand, you need to service this novel story as the source material. Right. But you also need to tighten things up for a movie. I mean, I've never read the the yeah. novels, so it's hard to no, give that's that just a judgment. difficult place to be in. Because there are times when you need to, you know, get away from a book because either this is problematic for the screen or it doesn't serve the story at all. You know, it's nice to have that this extra detail, but it doesn't do anything for us over here. So we just got to cut it. And I, I get that's a difficult position to be in. Well, and as we saw with Dr. No, a lot of it also had to do with budget constraints. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest reason why they didn't do a, a guano place, beside the fact that, you know, a guano gross. mine is a little gross, is the fact that they could easily find a bauxite mine on location in Jamaica. It's just an easy and, so they, they an had easy a place, thing to fake. Well, but they didn't even have to fake that. They know. they knew that that was there, so it was easy set location instead of, you know, trying to figure out how to stage it. One of the biggest changes in this from the novel, however, is the true introduction of Spectre. Okay. Now, in the novels, there is no Spectre. Okay. The big bad guy is Smirsh. Okay, I think I remember, like, reading about this at some point. Now, Smirsh was an actual Russian counterintelligence agency. Oh, okay. That was active in the 40s under Stalin. Mm -hmm. And Smirsh is sort of a portmanteau, but its literal meaning in Cyrillic mm -hmm. of the two words is death to spies. That's fair. So they their job was to find out who was a spy and, kill and them. take them out. Okay. That's, that is a great foil for a spy. Exactly. So, yay, source material. <laughs> right. And so what they did, because they didn't want to be expressly political, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of that probably had to do with we were in a bit of a detente in the Cold War at this point. Yeah. They instead created this criminal organization, Spectre, mm -hmm. which was shadowy over Smirsh. Yeah. Okay. So in it, they talk about Smirsh because Tatiana is an agent of Smirsh mm -hmm. and Rosa Klebb is high up in there. Rosa Klebb. But Spectre overall is James' big nemesis. Yeah. Our director, Terrence Young again, back from Dr. No. Market improvement, I would say. Oh, a million percent. I almost wonder if the last movie, we had to watch him do the best he could with a tight budget and try to introduce this character as best he could. Mm -hmm. And now that he had that under his belt, it was a whole lot easier to to get the vibe he wanted for the movie. I think he knew what he was making at this point. I feel like he had an actor he could trust because they didn't give him a lot to do in that first movie, but he did a great job. Yeah. So they did a much better, they leaned into the ladies man thing in this film a lot. Yes. Which serves the story really well, but also services Sean Connery. You can tell he trusts what's going on. Yeah. And so it's, it's much better. It also appears that in the production, Young got a lot more time to put detail into the movie. Okay. They shot a ton of things on location. Mm -hmm. Venice was in Venice. Yeah. Uh, we shot all over Istanbul and mm -hmm. Turkey, where the main setting was. Yeah. That chess sequence at the beginning of the film mm -hmm. is literally modeled on Spassky versus Bronstein in 1960. Okay, I knew it was based on a real match. It's an actual chess match that they play out okay. in that scene. The entire fight sequence mm -hmm. was partially choreographed by Terrence Young. Oh, okay. 
So that entire fight scene in the train, that apparently took... I also knew that was them doing a majority of it. It took three weeks to film. I believe that. It's a very tight quarter, so it would be very hard to get... The angles. The angles, so you have to just keep doing it over and over again and get lucky sometimes. Yeah, and the stunt coordinators were freaked out. Yeah. They were very scared that this was going to go bad. That someone was going to get hurt because of how tight everything was. Well, there's that. And like, I mean, what what happens if you scar that face? I know. That's the moneymaker. We'll get into some... What if he loses an eyebrow? We'll get into some scarring of faces later. I know. (laughs) So I I think he he felt a little more room to breathe and play. Mm -hmm. And that helps things with this movie. I think this story allowed for that too. It's, It's so much bigger. It's a much more grand in scale. It makes more sense. Okay, now we've got the big bad anti-spy agency is after the best spy. And they found... T- they found a lady spy, and they're telling her, you have to do whatever it takes, even if it means sleeping with him. And, oh, he's so charming, he turns her. And then you've got this the big bad dude that he's got to fight. A true psychopath. Yeah. I mean, it is cheesy. But for the time, this is awesome. But it's also, in an odd way, still pretty believable. It's pretty grounded. No, I get it. No, I get all of it. Which is kind of interesting thinking about. Like, I'm I not mean, used to grounded with James Bond. This is at Bond. least, like, two full seasons of Alias, so yeah. It's like imagining the Daniel Craig Bond, mm-hmm. but it's the 60s and more playful. Okay. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Getting into our cast, yep. we've talked about Sean Connery already. He's amazing and he's uber sexy and yay. <laughs> anything anything new this time that you really liked as opposed to what you saw in Dr. No? Um, I like him arguing with that lady at the beach. Stop it. Shh. Oh, his on his on again, off again girlfriend, Sylvia Trench, yes. who was in the first movie. Yeah. No, I just liked that. It was just a little bit more playful in that way. Him and Money Penny are adorable again. <laughs> it took me a while to like get that he wrote because his handwriting's atrocious from Russia with love. Uh-huh. Like on the I, picture of Tatiana. Yeah, like that was weird. He was more spy like and then you hit his gadget and it was just like it was good. The only weird part is the scene where he confronts Tatiana about being a spy, which yeah. it makes sense. But the way he just slaps her and then immediately comforts her is very strange. It's a little problematic. It's James Bond. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. It's not going to get any better. I agree. (laughs) I'm okay with that. One very important addition to this movie is Desmond Llewellyn. Q! Now, he's still not technically Q. I know. He is from Quartermaster Division. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's that role. But he is still named Boothroyd in this from the last movie. But he's so much better. He's more playful. He's excited about the gadgets, which is like the whole thing. Yeah. And in this one, he still hasn't fully got onto that. He's he's almost as... They almost made him try to be as smooth as James. Oh, I, I agree. I think... Yeah, he's trying to like be like, I'm just like James, but I just work in a different department. <laughs> I'm the James Bond of this department. Like, honestly, I feel like he gets more and more fun as he gets older and crankier. That totally makes sense. <laughs> I'm just going to play in my lab with my stuff. Where now, it's don't, safe. now bring this back in one piece, Bond. It's just an experiment, okay? Yeah. No, I love that. I love that whole aspect of Q. Like, John Cleese does it great. I like that. What's his face? Ben Winshaw. 
Ben Wisha, yeah. Wisha. I like how dry he is. Well, and we see that Which, from Llewellyn right now. And I think throughout most of the movies, he was very dry. No, Winshaw is just... Um, Wishaw. Wishaw. Whatever. He is... Paddington Bear. He is Paddington Bear. <laughs> no, he's got this quality where he's dry and he play, and it allows Daniel Craig's James Bond to be funny. Yeah. And it it's a great turn... Which is which is unexpected, and so I really enjoy it. We only get one scene with him in this movie, yeah. so hopefully, as we get through more, you're going to get more of that out of yeah. Desmond's character, his version of this. Also, in every movie, mm-hmm. until the world is not enough. Yeah, I know he's there a long time. Yeah, thirty six years. Tatiana Romanova, played by Daniela Bianchi, she was the 1960 Miss Universe runner-up, and she is dubbed. By a stage actress named Barbara Jefford. Okay, she wasn't bad. She is the Ur-Bond girl. She's the first one. True. The first, I mean, last movie, I don't feel like we got a really good, like, Bond girl. She feels very stiff. And I think that's a choice. I feel like that's a choice as a a smirsh agent and a Russian agent. I I feel like we should have gotten a little bit more from her before she was with Bond. Maybe. Like, maybe if we had gone through some, like, training with her. Something. Or maybe seeing her at the Smirsh Academy or whatever. You didn't need a whole lot. No. A scene or two. Just seeing her as an agent and then, you know, okay, now this is your assignment. And then now we're going to do some specialized training for your assignment. Well, we have Spectre Island. Red Grant is there. Exactly. So she should have been there too. And that would have helped kind of, so because then she could have been stiff there and then all of a sudden be very loose with him. I think that would have been a better uh, performance choice. Now I will say. The scene in which she is nude in the bed and Connery comes into the hotel room, Mm -hmm. that is the audition scene for every Bond girl. I know. I heard about that. That is the standard audition scene for Bond and Bond girls, which Uh, is like, that's a good Bond girl scene to play. Yeah, it's, it's a good scene. It accomplishes a lot of things. Yeah. That whether or not that type of scene plays out with Bond and a Bond girl doesn't matter. But you have to be able to instantly know if they have that type of chemistry. Exactly. And that scene accomplishes it. And if you can get into that scene, no matter what type of Bond girl we're going to have, if you can do that, okay. Which baffles my mind that Denise Richards got cast. I know! But we'll have to talk about that another day. Lotta as Rosa Klebb. Okay. (laughs) So... I said in our last one, it's like, it just makes me feel like Austin Powers. And then I saw this and my brain exploded. I was like, oh my God, that's Frau Fabellino. Uh-huh. Whatever the lady's name is. And Austin Powers is like, that's Oliver. And then the stupid cat. Dr. Number one, Evil. number three. Number one, number three. And then I kept thinking, who does number two work for? Oh yeah. She's great. She's awesome. She is. And she's really a better villain than the rest of them. Now, can I say... Which is kind of cool. There's, like, some real weird problematic lesbian slash sexuality stuff with her. Yeah, they sh- they should have made her more, like, mean nun style, but then they tried to make it, like, this weird sexual... It, yeah, it was weird. And that may very well have been a choice. Lotta Lenya, by the way, a very famous German singer and also a pretty famous muse 
of Bertolt Brecht. <laughs> He's great and people just do his crap wrong. That's the problem. But she was the original sea Roiber Jenny, pirate Jenny, in Three Penny Opera. Barf. Look, she's a big fucking deal in Germany. <laughs> okay, good for And in Germany. German theater. Uh, but she does a great job she's great in, in this, this, movie. Lo- in this one little I Bond just... film. Robert Shaw as Red <laughs> Grant. Yeah, when I finally put those two things together, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, it's that dude. He's a really good psychopath assassin. He really is. He's very Frankenstein-like. He couldn't have pulled this off in the 70s. Because he had, his features had softened a little bit. He's, you know, he's very fit uh, yeah, in and this he, movie. And he always had been. He was in Force 10 from Navarone in the yeah. 70s as well. He became a little more of an elder statesman type character. And he could morph into a lot of characters. But at this point, he was still very chiseled. Yeah. And then the blonde hair just made it well, all he, come together. He does have, especially with the blonde hair, he has this, like... Eastern European features. And God bless him when he pulls up with James and starts that, oh, hello. Yeah, it's a little creepy. And you're like, whoa, dude. Where did that come from? He went into MI6 mode, like, so easy. That's freaky. Which, like, I wish we would have gotten that from Romanov. Yeah. That would have been cool. That's, like, the one thing missing from here. Yeah. Pedro Armendariz as Karim Bey. Eh. It's really weird. Hearing a guy with a Mexican accent be a Turkish dude. Yeah, it's a little weird. I kind of didn't understand what the point of him being there was, other, he, other than to take him to the girl fight. No, he but, he's his connection in Turkey. Yeah. Kareem, Kareem has power and connections in Istanbul and is fighting off whatever's going on with Spectre. So he knows what's going on. He's the guy in Istanbul. I don't know. Maybe that could have been explained or fleshed out a little bit better. Well, his story is crazy and it's possible why that happened. Mm -hmm. So during the filming of the movie, he started to experience discomfort and was diagnosed with inoperable cancer. They moved all of the filming to England immediately, Mm -hmm. rushed as many scenes as they could, and when he could no longer perform, he went home to Mexico and killed himself. Yeah. And the rest of the filming, the stunt double and Terrence Young himself stood in for For Kareem Bay to do any of the rest of the stand shots. Yeah, I did. I read about this. He only did this film to uh, leave his wife, his widow financially secure i think he's a very famous mexican mm-hmm. actor yeah. done tons and tons of movies mm-hmm. and it's just a crazy it, confluence and story it just sucks that just came through yeah. at the end of it i think in what he's doing he does well i think you're right it's like it's not that he's not doing a good job yeah it's just his character's kind of like his character's not written great and, and he's not written to do enough like he's not as serviceable as oh who's the american spy Felix Leiter. Yeah, it should have had that vibe. Like, we're going to help each other out because we got a bigger bad guy over here. Exactly. Like, it should have had that vibe or they should just use that character. One other person that you might be interested to know. Do you remember Professor Dent from Dr. No? Kinda. <laughs> well, he's in this movie. Okay. You'd never see his face, though. Is he playing the cat dude? He's Blofeld. Blofeld, okay. The head of Spectre. Okay, because like... 
I didn't figure out who the cat guy was. <laughs> well, Blofeld, he's not credited. If you see the okay. credits in the movie, Blofeld is credited as question mark. I remember seeing that, but I couldn't remember like who's Blofeld. And they never call him Blofeld. They only call him number one. Okay, so they should have credited him as number one. I know, whatever. Okay, that's fine. The voice is actually done by Viennese actor Eric Pohlmann. So he's dubbed over, but he is the actual person stroking sure. the cat. Okay. Which is like... Oh, it's kind of fun. He just kind of did this and wasn't credited, and it's a fun little extra note. Okay. Also kind of cool that Weasley character from the first movie goes on to be the biggest bad guy of them all in the next few, because I believe he plays Blofeld through the entire thing. Yeah, because Blofeld, I mean, he didn't die. Nah. So he's still around. Oh, yeah. His henchman just went down. So we do get some firsts in this movie. We get our first pre-title sequence, which is something that comes up quite a lot in Bond movies. Mm -hmm. That actually came through in the editing process. Okay. We'll get into some of the crazy production stuff Mm -hmm. of this, but during editing, that was something that I think it was Peter Hunt was the name of the editor saw and went, Oh, let's put this training sequence with Grant at the beginning of the movie to kind of set it up, to set everything up. Yeah. No, that's great. And so it just came up with it. A helicopter sequence which is a repeated trope in every movie except The Man with the Golden Gun, a postscript action scene. So, you know, when we get to Vienna and we have Rosa Klebb, mm-hmm. that was something that came up for the first time that's repeated a lot in Bond movies. The line, Bond will return, mm-hmm. is at the end of this. Bond will be in Goldfinger. Yeah. A theme song with lyrics. Yes. Which we will talk about a little bit. But before we get to that, we have to talk about our first gadget. Yay, gadget! It's my favorite, my favorite. So it's not the most ridiculous laugh out loud gadget that we're going to see. No. But it's pretty cool. This briefcase is pretty kick-ass. Okay, so the briefcase has inside of it Mm -hmm. a tear gas canister Mm -hmm. that locks to the top. Conventional briefcase opens to the side, but you twist these locks. If you open it to the side, tear gas blows in your face. Yep. There is a knife in the side. Yep. There, there are 50 golden coins. Golden British coins. So, like, they're worth a lot of money. Hidden inside. And then finally, there's the rifle. The three-part rifle oh, yeah, that can, he can assemble there. Yeah, you can you can shoot it from the corners. So it's pretty conventional. Not Nothing too super fancy. It's not high-tech at all. No, it's pretty cool for, like, 1963. This is pretty amazing. And Q just walking him through. It's just like, unlock this. I like it. It's cool. Um, it reminds me a lot of, like, the Get Smart gadgets, which I also really loved watching as a kid. Yeah, no, I just, I love the gadgets, so I always like that. I always love the explanation part. I love it when Bond gets, like, confused, or like, why would I need this? And then it's also like, I need this all the time. (laughs) I liked all that. I also liked, we got, uh, the car. We had the Bond car at the beginning of the movie, like, with the car phone. Well, we did, and this we still haven't gotten to. So in the first movie, in Doctor Mm -hmm. No, we had, I believe it's a sunbeam. In this movie, I'm pretty sure this is a Rolls Phantom. Yeah. Uh, I think I read that. We still haven't gotten to the Aston Martin. Martin, no. And we will. But for now, still haven't gotten his signature car. No. Uh, But yeah, we have the Bond car with a little bit of gadgetry inside of it. Yeah, well, then we also got that gadget that he makes Tatiana talk to him with. 
the recording where he's like transmitting her talk about the liker. Oh, that's right. The little, the, the tape recorder that's in the camera. Yeah. Like I know the briefcase is like the real full on gadget, but those are other tech things that we got that we haven't seen before. What's interesting about this movie is it's all stuff that seems pretty conventional. Mm hmm. It's stuff that makes a whole lot of logical sense. Yeah. That was like, oh, they put a tape recorder in the camera. That's smart. Or, oh, we put a couple of these things inside what looks like a normal briefcase. Those types of things that make a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this theme song. From Russia with Love, written by Lionel Bart and sung by Matt Monroe. From Russia... I fly to you Much wiser since my goodbye to you I've traveled the world It's really cheesy. Yeah. I don't like it. Now, Lionel Bart wrote the musical Oliver. Well, that's just <laughs> Apparently, John Barry, who did the score for this entire movie, mm-hmm. he just arranged the theme in the first one. Yeah. They went to Turkey to go get inspiration. Okay. And they said, we got a whole lot of great stories, but no musical influence whatsoever. Okay. So they went back and told him all these stories, and Lionel Bart just apparently wrote this damn song. Okay. Just was like, here it is. I don't know. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's just it's kind of cheesy. Care. It's it's a very from Russia with love. I don't even know if that's a theme, it's, but it's it sounds like a tourist song. I also this is a little weird to say. I don't like a male singer. It's a little weird for James Bond. Well, I say that, and I know there will be some male singers in different themes, but well, but you got the opening title credits on Ladies' Bodies, so I mean, yeah. Chat. It's not really that. It's just like, it doesn't feel very Bondish. That song shouldn't be sung by a man. Yeah, right? But it is our first one, so hey. Yeah. It, it, it gets that. On to trivia, which there is plenty of. This was John F. Kennedy's favorite Bond novel, and the last movie he watched before leaving for Dallas. And never leaving again. Nope. <laughs> hey oh, Dallas shout out. <laughs> <laughs> eh, really? Well, I, I couldn't help myself. I guess it was going to happen at some point. I mean, the NRA had its convention here last week. <laughs> uh. Anyway, the movie poster that the gentleman falls out the mouth of Anita Ekberg, mm-hmm. that is an actual movie that Eon Productions, the production house for James Bond, mm-hmm. was also producing. It was called Call Me Buana. Okay. But oh my God, the biggest thing was the amount of fucking problems they had during this movie. A whole, whole lot. First of all, there was Armand Durgis with his cancer. Yeah, that sucks. Um, They were filming up until August 23rd, and they had an October deadline for this movie. Yeah, that's really tight. And they were- Insanely tight. And they were editing the movie while key sequences had not been filmed. Yeah, that's never good. So they were moving on the fly. One of the writers had been making rewrites that were uncredited during the entire time that, like, changed everything in the script- So that's how Grant wound up in Istanbul. He wasn't supposed to be there. They had to redo the entire Blofeld sequence and like backshoot parts of Vladimir Lenya's lines. Weird. Yeah. 
The gypsy sequence, fun story, had to be shot in England. They intended to go to an actual gypsy camp, but in order to get their tax credit, 70% of the movie had to be shot in England. The boat chase. (laughs) When they were scouting for locations, Terrence Young and crew crashed in a helicopter. (laughs) They landed in 40 to 50 feet of water, but all got out unscathed, and Young did his entire days of shooting that day. That's just crazy. The boat explosion was actually filmed at Pinewood. It went out of control, and one of the actors, Walter Gotels, it burned his eyelids, and three stuntmen were seriously injured. What the fuck? A camera boat filming the original sequence sank with the equipment, <laughs> and there were not... <laughs> and the boats didn't move fast enough because there were too many waves. Wow. Okay. Uh, the helicopter scene, they had to film that most of the sequences with a mini-copter, and they had a hard time getting an actual helicopter for the scenes. The crew that went to get it nearly got arrested from trying to get one from a Turkish airbase. Wow. Uh-huh. And finally, Bianchi had a shoot one morning at 6 a.m. Her driver fell asleep and crashed the car, and they had to delay filming for two weeks for Bianchi's bruises oh, on her face to heal. One note before we get into our reviews is the actual legacy of reviews for this movie. It was pretty well regarded in his time, Mm -hmm. mostly as mindless entertainment, but for mindless entertainment, they said it was pretty dang good. Yeah. I will say too, like, in terms of problematic stuff, Mm -hmm. we've got the weird Rosa Klebb thing, and we've got the weird slap moment, which is weird, but honestly, this is like the most tame in terms of race and other issues that I've seen out of Bond. Now, maybe it's that it's all white people. (laughs) Well, well, we do go to Turkey, yeah. you know, and we do have a gypsy camp. Yeah, that's probably not the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. But honestly, compared to some of the stuff, it's pretty tame. It's not horrible. There are many reviewers mm-hmm. who would put this at the upper echelon of all Bond films, and some say it's the best. I know a lot of people have said, um, including Daniel Craig, said that this was his favorite Bond. Yeah. And I understand that. I, I, I can I can see that. Uh, I'll reserve judgment until we get through the whole thing. I have my personal favorites and not having seen this one before, like it's definitely up there for me because it's such a tightly well done script, Mm -hmm. especially for running two hours. This movie doesn't feel like it drags at all. No, it didn't drag at all. Definitely like it better than Dr. No. Oh, of course we do. By a lot. (laughs) How many lector machines do you give this movie? Three. Three. Solid. Three. Solid, but not super excited. Like, it's way better improvement over the last one. You're being stingy, though. Like I am st- I'm stingy with my stuff. Woo. All right, I'm going to give it three and a half. Okay. Give it a notch up. Just because it's, it's a tightly done script. Connery's doing his damnedest best at this. Well, I think I gave the last one a two. I know. Like, it's a full point. But, like, the way you're talking about it, four. Oh, please, no. Okay, no. Three and a half, though. I'm sorry. It's a super comfortable with my three and it's a super watchable movie. I think that's the factor that I add to it as well. It's not just that it's good, but that you could sit down and watch this anytime and be totally fine. Like, yeah, I'm going to turn on a Bond movie. Oh, let's do from Russia with love. We're good. Not worry about it. I'd probably do Casino Royale, but (laughs) well, I'm just saying if you wanted to watch an older one, I like the card games. (laughs) Yeah, but then you don't get Sean Connery. But I get Daniel Craig. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next week. Next week is one of my favorites of all time. Okay. Because we are going to watch. 
Aya. Goldfinger. This is when they hit their stride. I know. This is what everyone talks about. It's so good. I'm excited. It's so freaking good. We're two movies in, and I don't, like, hate myself for agreeing to this, so that's good. I feel like this is one, too, where you're going to know a lot of the moments that come from it. I probably, yeah. Like, in all the different things you've ever seen about Bond, you're going to be like, oh, I remember this part. Oh, I've seen that. I think this one and Octopussy are the ones that I've seen the most scenes from. Oh, okay. Like, because those are the big ones. Which is weird, because Octopussy is like a weird mid-80s one, but you know. Yeah, but they, yeah, they still played that one. I, I remember that one a lot being played on TV. That's true. Probably because it has the name Octopussy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Until next time! That's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com. Are you playing a game? Get off the game. <laughs> Can I finish it? Yes. Oh my goodness. But I was paying attention to you. Uh-huh. I am. I know you are. I still... Don't be mad. I'm amazing. I have ten seconds left, okay? <laughs> don't mess up, 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 don't mess up. Okay, now it's just scoring me, and then I'll be dead. I'm totally putting this in the podcast.